0: A lot of times when we think about the customer journey we think about like how are we gonna woo somebody into working with us and that's like the main journey that we focus on right like our sales and what that experience is like how am i going to convince them that you know i'm the team we're the team for them or that you know, you know i'm the coach for them or whatever that might be and then we kind of forget what happens after that person is your client sometimes right <laughs>
1: Bye. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous Podcast, and whoa, baby, do I have such an amazing episode for you guys today. Like One part mindset, business, entrepreneurship, and one part branding, marketing, and social media strategy. This is a good one. You are going to want to grab a notebook and a pen, bookmark this episode, and come back to it time and time again if you are somebody who wants to think like a founder. like If you have this vision to grow a massive business, to impact lives, and to really, show up in your purpose, then Dez and Aisha, my two guests today from Creative Label, are going to literally rock your socks off. These two women, number one, are such incredible humans in general. Like I'm so grateful and blessed to know them. I met them through a business mastermind, and I've watched these two women literally navigate through scalability and vision and roadblocks and hiring and all of the things, that it takes to actually be a founder and grow your vision and bring it to life. So in this episode, we dive into the importance of hiring and what it looks like to relinquish control and actually trust other people to take your vision and grow it alongside of you and how important it is when you are thinking like a founder to know exactly what your zone of genius is and know that sometimes you're going to have to hire people that are smarter and better than you at certain things. And I know that a lot of you guys are network marketers out there. And this is so relatable when you are recruiting new people to your business that you want to think about who are the people that are actually better than me that I can recruit to my team. So hopefully that message will come through for you today as you're listening to Des and Aisha share kind of the things that they're navigating through right now in their business. They also talk a lot about the importance of vision and how your vision is the thing that drives every single decision that you're making in your business. And if you don't write your vision down and you don't write your core values down and you don't write your goals down, then it's so easy to miss the mark on what it is that you're focusing on and the importance of What is the one thing that's going to help me move my brand and my business forward towards that bigger vision? And then we pivot into a little bit more of sales and marketing. So Des and Aisha dive into the importance of building a personal brand. I know a lot of you guys are utilizing social media right now, and we talk a lot about the importance of your social media, how you show up as a digital brand, as a personal brand, and the experience that your customer goes through from the moment they find you to the moment they enroll with you to what happens after, and that's called a customer journey. So we dive deep into the importance of customer journey and how it all comes back to thinking like a founder and executing on that big vision. So, so much tangible, juicy, important information in this episode. So my guests today are Aisha Marshall and Dez Dickerson, who are the creative BFFs and dynamic duo behind Creative Label, a full-service branding, marketing, and PR agency. Aisha serves as Creative Label's content and brand strategist, where she spearheads the creative development and digital strategy for business across a variety of industries, including fashion, retail, and personal development. Des is the Vice President of Public Relations and Digital Marketing at Creative Label. Featured in Forbes 2020 30 Under 30, Aisha and Des are passionate about educating businesses on industry trends, providing thought leadership and digital strategy and branding, and together they co-host The Label, which is a top-rated podcast that covers all things marketing and entrepreneurship. A digital consulting agency ahead of trends, Creative Label successfully finds new ways to be innovative and meet the needs and satisfaction of their customers, which is of high priority, and they take so much pride in serving them. This episode is freaking amazing. I hope you guys love it. Let's dive in. I am always so excited to drop and connect with you, Des and Aisha of Creative Label. You two are some of the most innovative, creative, yet like seriously driven boss babe women that I have the pleasure of calling friends and I've gotten to witness the two of you scale scale and grow and scale and grow and scale and grow your business like wildfire over the past year and a half. And something that I just truly admire about the two of you is your willingness to just be super honest about what's working, what's not working, and really just take accountability for your part in it and how you can just serve your audience and your business at the same time, which is not easy. So I just want to acknowledge you both for that and say, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having us. I'm so excited. I've been excited about this for a really long time uh, to chat with you on your lovely podcast.
2: Um, but thanks for having us.
1: Yeah. Yes. Thank you
2: so much. This is going to
1: be fun. I know it. Mm, We always have the best conversations. Okay. So I'm going to ask this question. You guys can, um, Des, maybe you can answer first and then Aisha, you can answer. What is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently?
0: Oh my gosh. Well, we made a crazy investment into ourselves, (laughs) into our business. We've been doing that for the past 12 months and it's been, um, it's been the most helpful thing and fruitful thing for us personally and as a business. So very expensive investment. This is the really bold. And I was just signing the contract this morning and I was like, ah, this is like so official. I feel like I'm gonna throw up.
2: (laughs) Yes, that is definitely a boldly courageous thing we did. I think another one is maybe just more of a a mindset thing. And we've done this before but, and Melissa working with you and it was hiring a project manager at the time. And I was particularly resistant to it because it would be like relinquishing some control of the company. And like, for whatever reason, um, as an entrepreneur, when you, you, you see success and you, and the success is correlated with relinquishing control. The next like level of success, you're not you're not saying oh, it's it's directly correlated with relinquishing some control. So here we are again um, hiring people that are better than us or making the commitment to hire people that are better than us so we are not the best on the team that I think is a mindset thing that Des and I had to get around or are currently getting around, but being super unattached to the outcome knowing that it's going to be best for. The future of our agency so we made that decision to hire people better than us mm. several yeah I, or open the I, hiring process we haven't hired anybody yet <laughs>
1: <basically>. <laughs> and yeah. we'll, we'll get to that okay I love that this is the direction that we're going in obviously because there's a big difference between investing in yourself and investing in your business right because when you invest in yourself you're counting on you but when you're to what you're saying Aisha like when you're investing in your business you're actually counting on someone else to Mm -hmm. see the vision you know of like your vision and then treat it like your baby I would imagine that's what parents feel like when they send their kids to daycare it's probably a similar (laughs) (laughs) feeling like please take care of my child right okay yeah So what was the process that the two of you had to go through in order to agree on this investment? And what were some of maybe the limiting beliefs that came up?
0: Oh my gosh, this is so because we're just working through this. Like we're going through it right now. Right. we're, We're working through this. And me personally, because Aisha, she, like we hired for more of her space position almost a year ago, I guess, like eight, eight months ago, probably for her space. And she had this resistance I don't want to speak for you too much Aisha but there was definitely a resistance to hiring in that position for a role that like was very much hers and that you know she felt comfortable in but also overwhelmed and stressed and I just remember being like why won't you just like like this is just going to make it better like you're going to find somebody in in a position who's really great and then you can focus on things that are easy and I remember like not easy the things that you want to do her zone of genius right and um I remember it was um, Melissa. You were on the calls. There was lots of tears.
2: <laughs> there was lots. I of- cried. I literally <laughs> cried. Looking back, I'm like, wow. I'm so embarrassed for you. Um, you could have had less pain a lot quicker. But anyways, keep going. Yeah, there was lots of tears, and it's so crazy because I
0: was talking to one of our other coaches on. We were talking to one of our other coaches last Wednesday. And I was like, I'm experiencing this resistance that I was just looking at Aisha crazy about eight months ago, obviously crazy, but supportive about eight months ago. Like, why can't you just relinquish and let go? Because now we're hiring for somebody better than me in my position, which is more on the PR and audience acquisition strategic partnership side. And I'm like, real, really struggling with, with letting go. But I know because we've seen it in the past. We've seen it in the past eight months. Like it's only for the, the investment is is for the betterment of the business right like it it once we did that we were able to grow times two or three wow. and start Putting people in the right places
2: yeah and then for me um or just what the process has been like it's been painful continuing to experience the same lesson over and over until finally finally you're like oh, okay what do i need to change yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're going through a lot of the same lessons and like Des said, um, it's for the betterment of the company. But what's been coming up for us is that, you know, it's it's one thing to identify the lesson, right? I think when you're not able to identify it, maybe it's less painful. You're like, oh, this is a sucky situation. But when you know that you're experiencing the same lesson that you're experiencing before it's it, you're like a little bit pissed at yourself i would say like anytime something happens and like does this happened last time and we said we were gonna and i'm not surprised that it's happening again because we didn't change up anything mm-hmm. so i'm not i'm not experiencing this lesson again at least not in this like level of business and i think des and i are making the the necessary changes to hopefully pass and graduate to the next level
1: yeah Isn't your business such a beautiful reflection for life and like personal development. Like you guys, I mean, we're all kind of in this uh, agreement on how much we are obsessed with growth. Right. And I always feel like, um, whenever I'm growing personally, my business expands too. And I'm, I'm kind of in, I think we're we're all in the same season of like ugly face crying on the regular and feeling really uncomfortable. And like, to your point earlier, it's like, Aisha, like you will continue to run into the same wall and hit yourself over the head with the same thing over and over again until you wake up and you get the lesson and then you choose something differently. So I'm curious, like what What has been the hardest part for each of you about letting go of control? Like, why has it been so hard?
0: Honestly, I think that for me, it's like, it's when you are at the top of a business or agency, or you created something, it's, it's natural for you to think that you are the best at it, right? Like we all think that as creatives, I think first thought, right. And then when you really sit down and you think about it, you're like, wow, there's so many people who are also really good at what I do. There's so many people who are better. Than what I do, right? And it it is a, a real, I think it's a real feeling to really sit down and realize like somebody can do this better than me and that's okay. That's even even better for you know us and even better for me personally, right? Cause I'm gonna step up into a new position of leadership um, where I'm gonna be able to be more of a visionary, right? And I'm gonna be able to say like, okay, I wanna do all this, 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 this and this for, for these amazing clients that we have. And it's only going to make everybody better. It's going to make our team better. It's going to make our clients better. It's going to make, down to our interns better. But it's hard to have that realization that like, you're not the only one. Like you can, like I always tell people, I always tell Isha, like, I love everyone on our team, but everybody can be replaced, right? In high level, you don't think like, oh, like you can be replaced, right? But you can essentially be, Replace and that's okay. You know, nobody can replace us as like founders and owners of the company. But our visionary, our concepts, our creative—like, yes, we can re- be replaced for better um, in order to to help more people.
2: And the the resistance, the reason why I think it was twofold, and I think it was because we were doing so much. And what I've realized is that you know, the solopreneur model, which I would say is like one to three people on the team worked for that one to three, but it didn't work for three to five so we switched and then we got to three to five and now three to five doesn't work for five to 10 so we switched. And with that switches the roles of things that we're doing so now we're like 10 to 15 three to five to 10 is not working for us anymore, so how do we get to what works for 10 to 15 people on our team and. Our roles and positions switch. And so there's a new level of resistance every time you grow and you relinquish some control mm-hmm. to someone else. Mm-hmm. And I was experiencing resistance. I'm very right and left brain. I'm a, very much a creative, but I'm also like in our traction exercise, I'm considered the integrator because I'm so great at figuring out how to do it. I think that's just from going to law school and having to figure it out to survive that I can do both. And I was resistant towards relinquishing just control in general, but especially from the integration standpoint, because I'm like, well, if I'm not doing it, who's going to do it with the same passion that I'm doing it to make sure it gets done. Right. And we end up finding someone that is exactly that does it with the same passion of wanting to make sure that they get, they get the job done. But, um, so I was experiencing relinquishing control around that, but that wasn't my zone of genius or what I cared to do. I do, we are realizing now, like from the creative standpoint, like, does she's a, a old client of ours but like one of Dez's mentors Kim Gold she's the founder uh, co-founder of True Religion and um she made a comment and it really resonated with me and was like when companies when businesses like sell or get rid of the creative person that's like handling the creative you start to see a shift in the business because that like creative DNA is gone and um a resistance around that from the creative standpoint was that like people weren't going to want me or our company anymore because the creative will go away. But that's not necessarily the case, which is where Des and I are trying to be. We can still be high level. Things can come across our desk that we want to or they don't have to. But if we're still, if our like DNA is still in the company, that's okay. We don't have to work from 10 to 10 every day, you know what I mean? Like literally meaning 24 hour days, not like 10 PM to 10 AM, like literally like the 24 hour cycle. Um, We can. That doesn't affect our worthiness or people wanting to work with us as a company. So that was some resistance that I had was feeling that we wouldn't be as a value or people wouldn't think like, wow, Ayeshan does like so cool creative label, like look what you built, right? So it was, resistance from control for sure but also understanding that like we're still of value it doesn't mean you don't have to work 24 hours a day to to remain valuable
0: yeah that's that's good that's so true I think that's like speaking on that I think that's like this common misconception about entrepreneurship, like the longer I work, the longer amount of hours I work, the long, it's this weird, sick thing. I also feel like social media contributes to it drastically. The, if I, you know, post pictures of me or if I am genuinely working all day long and I'm in talking about it, like that's what you're supposed to do. And no, that's not what you're supposed to do, especially us as creatives. How can I, you know have the creative capacity to give all that i can give to help people if i'm sitting here from 10 to 10 at my computer all day right it's just not practical it's not realistic and it's just like really fucked up theory sorry i don't know if you cuss on here but it's just a fucked up theory um that i i wish that we could change the you know the the direction of
1: Mm. And this goes back to like everything that you guys were saying about, um, you know, staying in your zone of genius, right? So when you are in your zone of genius, then you're not only doing yourself a disservice, but you're doing everybody else a disservice if you're doing things that fall outside of your zone of genius. And if you really want your business to grow, you have to put people in roles that have you know, skill sets that you don't have that actually support you, right? So you don't have to be working and hustling and, you know, burnout. And I'm so gra- glad that you brought that up because it's something that I wrote down about this like hustle versus flow mentality. We have a lot of um, newer entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast, a lot of network marketers, and they're sold this idea that if you have white space on your calendar, you're lazy and hashtag team no days off, right? And hustle to and grind and, and all this. And I'm curious. Curious, like as you have gotten to where you are in your business today, I know that you guys have hustled and grinded and like, w- like worked around the clock to get this business off the ground. But looking back, knowing what you know now about energy and flow and hiring, what would you have done differently as a female founder, right? Because these women want to be female founders. They want to think like having a founder's mindset. What would you have done differently or what maybe piece of advice would you give to to your like past version of you
0: yeah for me I would have delegated way earlier I know it's hard to delegate especially if you don't have the funds and the budget but I mean there are things that we thought we couldn't afford at certain times and we we like when we found the importance of delegation we found the money <laughs> like we we went and we found it to delegate another thing I would have done is I would have created boundaries a lot sooner on in our business and that's like personal boundaries and uh like work boundaries right so what are non-negotiables i'm literally in we're in our fourth year of business and just now figuring out that like my health and my fitness and the way i eat and the way i work out is a non-negotiable like it 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 there's no meeting that's more important than it there's no there's no nothing right like and you have to figure out what those things are and train yourself to accept those non-negotiables right another one we have is like we don't take meetings on um, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays because we need to get work done or we need to take care of ourselves or help, whatever that might be, right? It's really finding out those boundaries and, you know, what works, what works for you so that you can work the best when you actually do need to work.
2: I think that I would, what I would have done a lot sooner is take some of the advice that I didn't think mattered at the time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, like... <laughs> Calculating your hourly, calculating your hard costs, calculating, like being so hyper-organized with things. I have this quote on my desk from the top of the year and some of my goals. I I looked back at the previous year's goals and realized that there was two of them on there that were ones that I added, not remembering what my like, goals were, or like things that I wanted to focus on. And I didn't focus on them because I wasn't revisiting them. One of them is, uh, for every minute spent organizing an hours earned and there are some areas where if we were more organized like with our systems and our processes
0: mm-hmm.
2: earlier on we would have been able to I know we are scaling very quickly in it but we would have been able to scale quicker because mm-hmm. the systems and processes is what holds up the scaling if you cannot if you cannot handle the bandwidth you cannot you won't have retention maybe people will be coming in but you won't be keeping them in you know and really organized systems and processes helps with your customer journey and it helps with things that may, you may be experiencing when you're like tapped out so people told us figure out how much it costs like hourly or figure out you know how much like your hourly worth is and what the hard costs are and what's the workflow of something to get complete in the timeline and those are things that were, are coming up for us right now. It's all stuff that we could have done when we were so much smaller and had a full day of nothing. All work is done. There's no meetings. Like, what else could you be doing? You know what I mean? Like, if we would have done those things when people were telling us to do it early on, we wouldn't be here now saying, reorganizing our profitability structure reorganizing our systems and processes revisiting what a customer journey is we've never ever ever been intentional about a customer journey we get really good work done we produce really great work product but how the client experiences us not that it's negative but just to have more elevate we've never focused on that and people are like do that like three years ago we're like that doesn't matter and here we are like i wish i would have done that so taking some advice that i didn't think mattered and i don't know how, i don't know what tip to give to realize does it matter or does it not matter I don't I don't know what that is because as an entrepreneur sometimes people give Des and I advice like we got advice last week and we're like (laughs) fuck no to that but who knows maybe in 10 years I'll be like I wish I would have you know so I don't really I don't know that I know that answer yet but I maybe it's I don't know I don't know but I there's a there's a few nuggets that I know that Des and I have received that we've been like "Mm, no thank you and then here we are
1: Well, and also, you know what, it's like, I remember when I was building my network marketing business, I would sit in these meetings and I'd be like, Oh, I fucking heard this thing over and over again. Right. Like you kind of hear, it's like the same stuff. It's just packaged in a different package, but the message is the same. And, but I would still go right to these events and whatever. And you hear the same information over and over, but the lens that you're looking through and where you're at in your life and your business is different. So you take what you need at that time. And then Later on, you're like, "Oh, well, this would have been helpful six months ago. well, i didn't oh. I didn't know what I didn't know, right. So part of it, I feel like entrepreneurship on one part is like strategy and systems, and the other part is like just fucking wing it and hope hopefully it works out. you know yeah. Yeah. Like- yeah.
2: And I think that's the beauty of it, right? Like I if you I think shifting your mindset to find that that's like can sometimes be an enjoyable process. Mm-hmm. but also at least for us and some of those things, when as and I were chatting about, the things that I just mentioned, like, you know, restructuring the profitability, when to bring people on hourly and like all that stuff, organization of of agency with several people, different clients, like figuring out all of these things. I think for us to not have taken the advice at the on set it's beautiful for us in this moment because we can create what we want as opposed to using someone else's model we can still look to the model but figure out like what does this look like for us so Mm -hmm. there's beauty in some of the things and probably all of the things if you really find it but I think with my with my mind, I'm like, I could have saved time if I would have just listened to them. So
1: <laughs> but at yeah. the same time, you learned a powerful lesson about trusting your own intuition, which you just mentioned of like, okay, yeah. just because this worked for somebody else doesn't mean it's gonna fit. And knowing that and deciding and trusting your own self that what's for me will not pass me and I'll get the lesson either way, right? And now you're in a more efficient business owner. So let's talk about vision for a second because as you guys are scaling and growing and you're hiring these people in new positions and you're trusting to relinquish control, a part of that is being... A visionary, right? Any business that you're building, you know, having that founder's mindset, having that visionary mindset is so important when you are adding team members to your team, no matter if it's an agency model, like what you guys do, or you're a solopreneur adding, you know, an assistant or your network marketer, adding new people to your team, the vision and the culture, it has to, that message has to carry down, right? So how do the two of you being co-founders keep that vision alive and keep it like front and center in everything that you do
2: That's a really good question there's a different, yeah and I would say from a culture perspective or just from high level just like very macro lesson on vision um it would be write it down I think there's so much power and I don't know if, if any of these listeners are spiritual I myself am a believer in God Jesus and the power of writing things down your vision down writing it down is just super powerful but then figuring out after you write down how you integrate it and so from a high level things vision for our culture and our founders we really did the work we did traction we wrote it all down like the book literally prompts you, you to write back, it I down say,
0: explain what traction is traction uh oh, i'll let you explain
2: Attraction is a book, and it's super helpful. It is just helps you build the foundation of your business and have a, a model that you follow. And um, we follow almost close to the t. There's some different things that we do a little bit different that works for us. But what it required us to do and why it's important for a macro idea a vision is writing it down. So our core values, we write them down. Wrote them down. Our sales goals, we wrote them down, which we should probably revisit because we hit everything that we wrote down last year. But constantly revisiting them based on how your business grows so our core values one of the things that we added this year just by revisiting it and and seeing how our culture is is we added gratitude as one of our core values but attention to detail teamwork accountability hardworking creativeness like those were our original core values and then we started seeing like a lack of like just gratefulness across our team so we're like no gratitude for good and bad things need to be like integrated in our processes and how we just move culturally so that was part of like a vision that Des and I had for the company how we wanted our team to be we thought about it and then we wrote it down now it's cool because Des and I think different I used to think it was a bad thing but Mm -hmm. her dad had made a comment like several years like ago it's good that you guys process through things so different because you cover the gambit of like maybe holes that you can see so I'm very much like big picture dial down does dial down then let's build on it and you get to the same end goal but we just get there so different so with that I end up having visions for the company that start higher level Des has visions for the company that start and lower sounds bad it's just different visions at different points in the business and um, what's cool about that is we bring ideas from different, different, like, I don't know, lifetimes of the business. And then we figure out how to write them down. Like one vision I had for the business a few weeks ago is a warehouse. I'm like, I want a warehouse. So I wrote it down in my phone. How can we figure out to get a warehouse? We can make it a creative space. It could be this really cool thing. It'll save us a bunch of money. Vision for does is like, I want to hire people across the country because that will be really cool. We can like tap into those markets. And so we just have different visions but we write them down and then just because we end up being passionate about it anytime we're in meetings or conversations with people like we're in conversations with our cfo and i'm like okay i want to put a warehouse on the radar i know we don't have to talk about it now but like just so we know can we put this as a, a bullet point to chat about at some point and then des we just also met with a a recruiting agency she's like what's important to me is just to hire across The country I don't care about their location, I want them to be the best people so like we put that in we delegate our visions to people who help execute them, which is helpful, but it starts with writing it down
0: yeah. I think you answered that really well I don't have much to add on top of that, Um, but yeah I think we do write every single vision for the company we have down, And another thing we do is we rank them. Like we rank and prioritize what's the most important thing to us right now. And then when we get to the, when we get get through that, we're like, okay, what's next now? So like, for example, right now we're in the scaling phase. So for the next 30 days, like our primary goal, like one of our only top focus goals is to focus on hiring. That's it. We're not focusing on our sales goals right now. We're not focusing on, you know, what press we're going to be doing right now like we've literally said no to press we've said no to clients that have come through the door we've said no to so many different things because that's not our goal in our party now so it's saying really and what our looks like what our goal is
2: yeah and what that looks like in in the most literal sense is when Des and I have both of these these visions that I just told you about in Des and I had a meeting and it said Aisha you're not you're not touching any warehouse stuff until we hire for 30 days. So don't talk, don't not talk about it, but there's no movement being done on that front. So literally two visions that were, I mean, hiring is definitely like a pain point that we had to do a lot sooner, but two visions that we had for the company. One is literally on pause. Yeah, I had a meeting for. You. I paused the meeting and said, "Out, oh, we'll revisit this in 30 days."
1: And I love that you're sharing this because it's this is what happens like in whenever you're building a business is you get squirrel brain because there's so many things to focus on, right? But when you focus on 15 things, like nothing actually gets done. So I love that you shared like having this vision, but then prioritizing like okay, in order for us to get to the warehouse and hire all the people and make this big investment, like as visionaries, you see the the giant shiny warehouse with the white floors and like all the beautiful stuff inside what needs to happen on a micro level right which is like des's approach of bottom up aisha you have the top down approach like in order for the top down to happen the micro level has to be executed and i think People miss that, you know, when they're building business, they think they have to do all the things at at once, but it's like, what is the one thing that's going to move the needle that will affect the next thing that will move the needle? And that's how you ultimately create like this snowball effect in your business, right? Where you start gaining momentum. And and I want to also just acknowledge something that you said about like early on in your business of reinvesting back into your business. And I think a lot of Mistakes that entrepreneurs make early on is they see the money that comes in and they take it for themselves and they go upgrade their lifestyle versus like taking that money and reinvesting it back into the thing that's going to generate more money, right? It's like putting fertilizer on your garden. Like you don't harvest the fruit the minute it grows, like you have to fertilize the garden so that it grows bigger and better and, and stronger. And so part of that is seeing the vision and knowing like strategically, where am I going to invest my time? where going to, where am I going to invest my energy? Where am i going to invest my money right so that's i love that you shared that and i think a lot of people are going to get so much value from that perspective and i'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about your zone of genius which is branding and marketing and pr and like taking other people's big visions and bringing them to life in a way that allows them to be seen and to be heard and to be understood by their dream client so that they can go out and, you know, scale and grow and impact. And something that you said a couple of times, Aisha, um, I think it was you that mentioned the customer journey. So I know this is something that, you know, we've all, you and I, the three of us, we've all learned about like the importance of the customer journey, but for those that maybe don't know what that is, can you just share a little bit about the importance of this and give some perspective to business owners that maybe are new and listening about how important it is to understand customer journey?
2: Yeah, I think I don't know does if you have if you have some insight on it, but I would like to, I would like for you to share that and I can maybe give a real life example that we just experienced yeah. recently.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times when we think about the customer journey, we think about like how are we going to woo Somebody into working with us, and that's like the main journey that we focus on, right? Like our sales and what that experience is like. How am I going to convince them that you know I'm the team, we're the team for them, or that you know, you know I'm the coach for them, or whatever that might be? And then we kind of forget what happens after that person is your client. Sometimes, right? So you really wanted to tap into what we found is that you know we really want to tap into what this person's experience is while working with us over a long period of time or a short period of time whatever that might be during the period of time they're working with you what is that customer journey all the way from when they first find you right when they first find out about you through your sales call through their onboarding process and then through the procedures of how they work with you and what are you know the deliverables they get from you and all these different things so we always knew, like, we're so good at, at our job, right? We're so good at, at giving you the, the final product, but what is the experience like for you? What is the customer service like for you? What is, like, what do you go and tell your friends? Do you tell your friends, like, oh my gosh, they're so great, but, you know, like, it's a little mumble-jumbled and jambled on how I get things, de- or how I get things delivered to me, right? Like, I have all the success working with them, and I don't fire them, but, you know, I put up with this to get this right and I think it's more about tapping in on what is this full experience like what we want our customers to have this full experience because that brings retention that means that they're going to stay for longer and that um, we like to build like a little family with our clients right we work off of radical candor feedback with them and within our team radical candor means really really honest feedback even when it could potentially hurt someone's feelings or whatever that might be. It's just really honest so that we can get the job done. And so we want to be able to have open doors where our customers are happy. They can give us radical candor feedback. We can give them radical candor feedback. And really focusing on those relationships with people is important. And so we're working on or we have worked on the customer journey, not just that bottom foundational sales part that we get caught up in.
2: Yeah. And um, two real life examples. I totally forgot about that one that you alluded to, Des, but we've had people say, you know, in the sales calls with you, and usually our retainers are at a high price point. So that timeline between our first touch point versus like closing is about a month, literally, and just conversations and contract negotiations and all those things. But we've had clients say, you know, that, that month-long experience is so amazing. But then when I meet your team members, not that it's bad, it's just they don't speak the same way as you guys. And and we've been in this for so long. Some of these people are fresh out of college and, and don't know a lick about customer service, right? Like, so it's just like teaching them some of those things. But also, remember before I said our business from one to three looks so different from three to five, five to 10, 10 to 15, that I'm using automation in air quotes. And for those of you listening, I know you can't see, but automations air quotes, meaning our automations, as much as they can be automated because they're not entirely automated, hasn't changed from now where we are. So certain things in the first onboarding email and that copy don't even matter to the customer anymore, but it's still in there. And for them, they're like, you know, you mentioned using this software, but we never I've never used it once, and I don't know if I'm missing something. And that's just because we never revisited it as we've been scaling. One, it's been so quick, but two, like we just never revisited it. So that's part of a customer journey where there's like a huge lack, right? I and mean, you don't realize that until you actually talk to your customers. But for us, she's like, you know, I was just chatting with the client about it yesterday, and she's like, "You guys, I never question, but like you, because you get it, you get it done, you get it done, you do it really well, and it's always done at every point. I always receive whatever when you tell me. But there are certain things and lapses." that I see come up um, because we've just evolved so much, but our customer journey ha- is like one to three company and not f- 10 to 15.
1: This is so valuable because, right, it's it's always coming back to like, what is the the brand new customer's experience? Even though you may have been onboarding people for five years, how important it is to stay connected to the beginner's mindset and stay connected to, um, that customer's experience, like from day one. And I love, Des, how you pointed out the whole idea of like what happens after the sale. I think a lot of people just focus on getting people in the door, but they don't think about what happens once they're here. Right. And so, yeah. this idea of like an ascension model, right, where someone starts with you with one thing, but the, do they stay with you? Like, it's not enough to just make money it's uh, you like i relate this to like the idea of making money versus building wealth right anybody can make money in their business but if you want to scale and grow you need to think about foundations and you need to think about longevity and customer retention right and so like anybody can make money but to really build wealth right? You have to think about all that. So this is super powerful. And part of that, part of your customers coming in and like staying with you long-term and talking about you to their friends and their experience isn't just the customer journey, right? But it is being able to communicate your values to them and being able to communicate what your brand is and what it does and how it can help them. So can you talk a little bit more about like, what, what is a brand? Like, what is this idea of creating a personal brand and how does one even start doing that
2: you brand that. is is I think I know but with respect to personal versus business but it's just how people experience you how how are your audience your customers how are they experiencing you right in what ways visually what colors what logos how do you show up in video and pictures but also if they're purchasing from you what how they're what is their experience like when they're purchasing from you? A few examples of of a brand and a brand experience would be Sephora, pre-COVID. Um, you knew what you were getting when you walked in, right? You can sample things, you can try things on, someone will help you. You could even get your makeup done if you wanted to, or dry bar, right? Like those are that's how a customer experiences you, but that's also their brand. Dry bar is so that you can get your hair done and, and feel good about yourself, maybe drink some champagne and then go to do whatever, whatever you were doing. And then how they experience you within that. So your visuals, your colors, what is, how is everyone treating you when you walk in? What does the logo look like? If I ever see, you know, your branding somewhere, am I remembering those experiences that I had while I was with you? And if you're a personal brand, it's very much just like how you show up online. That's that's your brand.
1: Yeah, it feels super tangible right? It's like literally put it in this, this goes hand in hand with what you're saying about this customer journey. It's like, what are their thoughts and their feelings and the emotions and the experience that's coming through for them from the moment they find you through a Instagram reel that goes viral or like they walk into your store, right? What is the feeling that you want them to feel? And I think it all comes back to what are your core values? So it all kind of connects, right? Of like, how do you Like I, I, I talk about this on um, social media, right? I say like your Instagram should become like a vision board for your dream client. So when they land on your page and they have an experience with you, it's almost as if they are like living their vision board through your life, through your brand, through the stories that you tell and the experience. Right. And it kind of feels the same way of like, if you can't like communicate your vision into the customer journey and then the experience that they're having, like, then you're, you're kind of missing the boat. So what would you say are some of the, like the key elements to crafting a brand? Like, what are the things that we would need to think about? Let's just, let's just put it in, in the context of social media, right? So I'm building a brand online. How do I utilize maybe my Instagram to, um, build my brand and what are the things I need to be thinking about?
2: Messaging, I think, is one key component. Um, I think you messaging can have is best- like
0: so foundational. Sorry to to tap you in messaging and going through the story branding process of your brand is like the foundational thing. If you don't have that messaging together, that story branding to get to that messaging together, you're gonna be going back in time later on down the road. And we even did this as creative. What would you say, She'll like, three years into our business, we went back and clarified our messaging and that made a huge difference. But that also like, you know, it costs you more when you do it on the outset of things.
2: right? To be fair though, the messaging would have changed regardless. Our messaging that we did most recently, which would have been three years later from when we started, we're targeting a completely different customer now, right? So our old messaging, our old visuals, our old copy was targeting the the customer quite frankly that we didn't want to work with anymore so the messaging is important and i say that because online you can have the best brand visuals you can have the best images but if your copy is attracting somebody completely different you're never going to bring in that person that you're looking for
1: and, but this is so good too, because it shows how your brand evolves, right? And I think a lot of people get so scared to evolve as a company or as a brand, but like your clients will evolve with you, right? And that's, again, part of the Ascension model. Of like if you want customers to stay with you, how are you evolving? How are you growing? You know, and are you communicating that to them about like, can you take them along on that on that journey? So messaging is definitely like a super important um, element. And two, for those listening, when, when Des and Aisha are referring to story brand, there's a book by Donald Miller called story brand. So you can, I'll link that in the show notes along with traction. Like I think those two books, like the Donner, Donald, Donald oh. Miller book on story brand and traction are like that, how to build a business 101, <laughs> right? Like right there, those two books. Okay. So what else aside from really good messaging, what are some other components of a good brand that you can build online or like just utilizing through your social media?
0: I would say really good visuals is important and being very cautious about the visuals that you are putting out there, right? Like what does your audience want to see? Knowing, let's even before we get to the visuals, let's go to the content buckets, right? Like what do you wanna talk about and what is gonna resonate with your audience? What does your audience need to receive from you? What are the pain points? And you find this by finding out what are the pain points of your audience? Not what do you think your audience wants to hear from you typically? It's typically finding the pain points of where they're suffering, right? Um, So how do you target those pain pain points and then create content around it. What does your video content look like? What does your audio content look like? And what does your photo content look like? It should be a mix with your photos between like something that feels really organic. And then some like, if you are a personal brand, there should be some like professional in there, right? Even if you're e-commerce, even if you're selling a product, it should be a mix between user generated content. What we like to say UGC, which is like more organic type of content, looking like I took it from my cell phone um, and then posted on social. And then we've got like, but I still am a polished brand. I'm still, you know, you know, looking great. I've invested dollars into the aesthetics of my business.
2: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think that's a huge, it it is part of the experience, especially digitally. We only have our eyes and our ears. So being able to see you and how you show up is part of the experience and it should match across the board. How I experience you on Instagram should match how I experience you on TikTok, even though those different platforms, different verbiage and different videos or photos show up differently, the experience should feel the same, which also would include your website. You don't want the customer to feel like I'm experiencing a completely different brand when I get to your website. Everyone has seen an ad for a cute dress or a cute something and you swipe up to it and then you go to this weird website and you're like, this doesn't feel right. They could be a credible business, but maybe their content creation team is doing their job, but they haven't done the web component, right? So now I already feel like I don't trust the brand, so I don't purchase from them.
1: Mm, Okay, I I had this experience. I'm going to share this really funny story. So Instagram listens to every single conversation that I have. And lately, I've been having some interesting conversations with some of my girlfriends who are dating. So you can imagine where this is going to go. So you know how like, Instagram listens to everything that you do. So I had an Instagram ad come up for lingerie and I was like, oh, this is super cute. And I swiped up and it was all like BDSM stuff, like whips and chains. And I'm like, this, I'm not here for this. I just wanted a cute bra, but like the what I was being shown on Instagram Mm -hmm. was not what the website was. And I was like, abort, abort. This is not what I wanted, but also kind of intrigued at the same time, but that's for another (laughs) conversation. But anyway, but yeah, so I love, I love that you said that. And, and also too, like, for those listening, like you don't even really need like Instagram can be your website. Like Facebook can be your website. Right. But where, wherever you're guiding people from one place to another, you want them to feel like they're in the same store. Right. They haven't like taken a left turn and ended up in a different store. Right yeah,
0: where you are guiding them is super important and making sure that you have that brand consistency amongst everywhere you are. I don't think we're quite at the point yet yet, where we can say Instagram is your website and like that's it, right? But yes. I think we're to the point, and I only say that because you can't own your community on Instagram, Instagram owns your community. So if Instagram were to delete your page tomorrow, um, where does your community find you, right? Yes. They need to direct, you need, they need to be directed to a very similar branded, the same branded website where they can find you, where you can get in contact them where you have their email addresses where you have their text messages that's really really important so um it, it could be like a lot to live in a lot of different places um on social between social media between website and all that stuff and I hope that one day we can own our contacts a little bit better than you know them living on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever that might be but web is still so important when it comes to your brand
1: I'm so glad you mentioned this because it's true right like I mean I remember I was like scrolling through my Instagram looking at posts and I I had made a post being like, uh, Instagram and Facebook be closed for spiritual maintenance. And you remember, like, I think it was, was it last year? I don't even know. Last year doesn't, doesn't really compute for me, but there was that one day where like literally Instagram, Instagram and Facebook down. were just like down, down. and everyone yeah. was like panicking. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on text message marketing now? Because this is a new thing that's coming out. I've been using it. I love it. Um, but I'm curious, like, should we ditch email marketing and go to text messaging, or is there room for both?
0: There's definitely room for both, but um, I think your focus needs to be heavily on text message marketing because the open rates are so high. Um, So everybody's opening up text messages, right? I hate nothing more than seeing like a hundred text messages on my phone with that little red dot on my iPhone. It's anxiety, right? I just want to open the the messages. So uh, text message marketing has an open rate of like 95%. Which is extremely extremely high email marketing is that got you at 21 percent, and typically people are opening in them and just like not even reading especially if it's long-form copy at this point right but if you can capture somebody in 90 characters in a text message and give them value at the same time there's so much more value in that than an email and so if you're focusing on your marketing strategies for this year 2021 you need to incorporate text message marketing that's important
1: yeah, I've been loving it, and it, it just—it feels more personal. It's like it's kind of like um, the ascension model, right? Or dating, or whatever. However you want to look at it, it's like people find you on social, they engage with your content, and then they slide in your DMs, and it's like, yeah. hey. Let's take this conversation to another level, right? Like how can I connect with you one-on-one? And text message marketing is such a beautiful way to do that. I was sharing this story with a girlfriend the other day. I was like, um, there are so many layers to dating, right? There's like, okay, so like you swipe and then like you're chit-chatting and, um, you know, on the dating app and then the next level is like, hey, what's your IG? And then they like stalk you on Instagram and then through the DMs are like, can I get your phone number? And then you text for a little bit and then you're like, hey, can I actually call you and hear your voice and then maybe you FaceTime and then you go on a date. At least that's what's been my experience. And there's the customer value journey right there.
0: (laughs) It's It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing in text message marketing, right? You can literally, depending on what software you use, you can set up a a funnel of customer journey still in text message marketing. So Um, So it's just, I think people are intimidated by it. I think people Um, at this point, i like, I don't want another thing that I have to keep up with, another software or another type of marketing, but it's
1: it's pretty important. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. And I'm so glad that you feel the same way. Okay. So I want to make sure that I am doing my best to support the two of you because I, I love you and I love the work that you're doing. And I know that you guys are in a place right now where you are like scaling and growing beyond belief. And if I could ever give like a testament or a shout out to someone going into the corporate world and having like a quote unquote real job and not following the entrepreneurial path, it would be to lock arms with the two of you because you're such incredible visionaries. You believe so much in the work that you're doing in the world. You care so deeply about your business and your staff and how they're treated and that they're seen. I know all this because I've seen the behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about kind of what you are looking for right now because I know you guys are hiring so can you share just a little bit about if people are interested in learning more about you know connecting with you let's do it two ways one if they want to hire you as a for PR and marketing and two if they want to actually work for you
0: Ah, if you want to hire us for PR and marketing you can head to our website www.itscreativelabel.com out a lovely form that you will see pop right up and then uh, you can also follow us on uh, social at creative.label And then if you are interested in working for us, um, which we're so excited and so grateful to be in a position to hire and be in a position to add new people to our team, we are hiring for a creative director position. Um, We are hiring for a photographer and videographer who understands creative direction and knows how to execute creative direction. And we are also hiring for a senior PR associate. And then also we're hiring for a marketing associate.
1: I love it. Like I literally could cry listening to you guys share this. Like it's so fucking amazing to see what you guys have done and how much you're growing and the vision and like, oh, how scary that feels. <laughs> so to kind of like bring this full circle to the very beginning of like that big investment, like that's a long list of people and they're big titles. Yeah. So you guys, if you love this episode, Please share it. Obviously, Aisha and Des offer so much value. You can follow them on Instagram, both personally and at Creative Label. And I just fucking I love you guys so much. Thank you so no, much for no, this. We love I'm so you. So grateful for your connection. Okay, last question. What are you guys celebrating right now? Oof. You knew I was gonna ask that.
2: <laughs> um, Flashbacks
1: to coaching. What are you celebrating?
2: I think I for me, and I'm sure the same is for you, Des. I think we're still celebrating focusing on celebrating um Forbes thirty under thirty. Uh, we've yeah. been super intentional on literally taking steps that mement the occasion because it's hard from a day to day to to celebrate when you're like, okay, what's the next thing, even from a goal perspective, but also just like in business, like, okay, I have 200 emails. I don't have time to celebrate. So Des and I took some time two weeks ago to like moment the occasion together. So that was really nice. Um, and I think I'm still, both of us are still working on celebrating that. Yes.
1: Yes. And one of you just got something fancy. I saw you a tennis bracelet. Oh, (laughs) I hear I was listening to that song drip this morning and I was actually thinking of you and your tennis race. I'm like, yeah, girl. (laughs) Oh
0: my gosh. Yes. That was to celebrate for so like, yeah, we're being really intentional about how we're celebrating and I, you know, we both got a little drip, but uh, (laughs) I did get a a really nice tennis bracelet that I put on when I have my sweatpants on in COVID because it makes me feel really proud of what we have done and accomplished. And realizing that it's really important to celebrate, even if it's just looking at my wrist four months from now. And I'm like, wow, like we did that. And this gives me, you know, motivation to keep going
2: on zoom i will literally be like did you put your face on she does i see you wearing sweats but, <laughs> but where is it? It. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so important to anchor in those moments so i'm celebrating the both of you so yeah. much i love you i'm grateful for you congratulations on all of your success and you guys as always if you love this episode please share it tag someone that you know needs to hear it and until the next episode live your boldly courageous life Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.